are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Friday, February 26th. And some stuff went down yesterday that we're going to talk about on the show pertaining to Russell Wilson and why, whether it's fair or not, the Dolphins will continue to deal with quarterback rumors with at least elite quarterbacks across the league if they are potentially available. And it's a perception problem. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I think the Dolphins should trade for Russell Wilson. But I will explain from my perspective why national media has this perception about your team. Is it disrespect? Is it ignorance? Is there substance to it? I want to dig into this today. I want to get dig my teeth into this, and then I want to talk about the Seattle Seahawks player that we should actually be talking about trading for, and that's Tyler Lockett. So we got a lot of good stuff today on the show. So the story first broke yesterday. It was kind of a tell-all about Russell Wilson in Seattle and how his suggestions to fix the team's offense amid their second half of the year struggles uh, were dismissed, and he storms out of the locker room or storms out of the meeting room and whatever. And the Dolphins were one of the teams that was included and listed as a team, quote-unquote, to watch if the Russell Wilson situation heads toward a divorce. And Adam Schefter came out several hours later and said that that Wilson's agent said Russell prefers to stay in Seattle. But if he were to be traded, these are the four teams he would waive his no-trade clause for, and none of those four teams were the Dolphins. Okay, so put it to bed. That's that. But why why is this the case? And thankfully, you know, the Dolphins aren't being included or roped in on Carson Wentz's of the world and Matt Stafford's of the world, at least from the Dolphins' perspective, you're getting roped in on the Russell Wilsons of the world and the Deshaun Watsons of the world. But why is that the case? And I think a lot of it has to do with the coverage pertaining to the Dolphins, who have been a team that has been very irrelevant in the big picture of national NFL coverage for a very long time. They are no longer irrelevant. But the most prominent storyline that was talked about on ESPN, Get Up, an NFL Sunday countdown, was the Dolphins' handling of their quarterback situation and the dynamics from afar for people who do not intimately know this team that all they know about Tua Tungvaloa is that he was rookie, he didn't put up overwhelming numbers, and he didn't finish two games because the Dolphins pulled him in the fourth quarter of games that they were losing. That's the only perception that the common casual football fan and the casual national media writer has as it pertains to the Dolphins and to its own. That's the narrative that was driven home by ESPN and the talk shows every single morning. So if you want to know why Russell Wilson becomes available for trade or is rumored to become available for trade, And everybody's eyes shift. Hey, the Dolphins, they were a team that won 10 games last year, but their rookie quarterback got pulled in two games. Maybe they could use an upgrade because if they get an elite quarterback and they have that defense, they're going to be a championship caliber team. And while I don't necessarily think that that's wrong, I think it glosses over the Dolphins' stance on Tua Tungvaloa. 
If I'm Tua, I'm tuning out the noise. I'm going about my off-season training. And I'm focused on what I can control, much like he says that he is. But the Dolphins, according to all reports, still really, really like Tua Tagovailoa. They believe that his skill set is one that they can work with and groom into a winner. And based on how this Dolphins regime has handled player development, they deserve every chance to do that. But I can tell you, tell you that the Dolphins don't care what the talking heads talk about. They don't care that they had criticisms for putting Ryan Fitzpatrick into the game against Denver and into the game against the Raiders. Brian Flores is coaching games to win them. And they went one and one in the two games in which that materialized. I think that does underscore the importance of how Ryan Fitzpatrick can't be back because it creates more of perceived conflict and then people start to you hear it long enough, you'll hear that message long enough, and inevitably there's going to be people who listen to it within the locker room. And, and I think that's why Fitz can't be back as great as he was, because the Dolphins are trying to transition away from that. They're trying to build around to a tongue of a low. Now, there's also reports out that if Deshaun Watson were to become available for trade, the Dolphins would have those conversations, engage that interest. Any team who's not the Kansas City Chiefs would and should do the same thing. It'd be irresponsible not to. Do I think the Dolphins would mortgage and finance their entire future to make a deal? No. Do what I think it is if Watson is made available to trade outside the realm of possibility that the Dolphins make a move? Also no. But the perception from national media as it pertains to this team is that this team is a quarterback away from being a legit championship contender, and they're going to say, well, the Dolphins were one foot in and one foot out on Tua last season, which is not true because Brian Flores didn't play the game that way. He doesn't feel that way. But that is the easy-slash-lazy narrative to take. And because of that, anytime a quarterback is reported to be available, you'll probably hear the Dolphins attached as, oh, a team to watch. I think the only team... The only quarterback that the Dolphins have any realistic chance of transitioning to would be Deshaun Watson because they have the assets to make it happen. And because of Watson and his situation, Houston may cut their leverage off from underneath of themselves where this is something that's available to be done. And at the end of the day, you hope Tungavaloa develops into the player that Watson already is. So that's why, in my opinion, you will always, you will continue this offseason to hear speculation about the Dolphins quarterback situation. And it is because how the Dolphins chose to attack the 2020 season, and they were right to do so, in my opinion. You play each game to win it. And if, if a fourth quarter benching to a 37-year-old veteran when you're averaging 4.2 yards per drop back, in productivity, which is not good. If that benching situation is going to break Tua Tagovailoa, then Tua Tagovailoa mentally is not the person and the player that I thought he was. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's inconsequential. I really do. Dude went to Alabama, played on the biggest stage, already dealt with a court, a high-profile quarterback competition with Jalen Hurts, which he won, by the way. Won a national championship. Played for another. 
and you think a 37, 38-year-old veteran quarterback is going to break him down? I don't buy it. So I wouldn't worry about Tua and his psyche. I really wouldn't. But I would just, you as a fan, continue to brace and be prepared for noise regarding this team because the Dolphins are new on the scene as a relevant football team. And there's going to be a lot of half-educated takes. There's going to be a lot of lazy takes. There's going to be a lot of inaccurate opinions about your team. It is what it is. And as the Dolphins further establish their footing as a team who is back and should remain on everybody's radar, and that happens with another winning season in 2021, which when's the last time the Dolphins had consecutive winning seasons? You got to go back to the early 2000s, like 03, 04, or 02, 03. As the Dolphins reestablish their footing, everybody who is paid to talk about all the teams will continue to be more and more familiar with the Dolphins. And hopefully the Dolphins become a team that everybody knows intimately well as compared to knowing them from afar or only talking about one dynamic of the team. This football season is over, but there's still plenty of sports betting action to get in on. So use Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. The NBA, college basketball, and NHL are currently in full swing, but Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all your news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, plus, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So a bunch of people spent all this energy yesterday talking about Russell Wilson. But we're talking about the wrong Seattle Seahawk here. The Seattle Seahawk that we should be talking about for the Miami Dolphins is the answer to the riddle of how do you upgrade the wide receiver room? How do you replicate what the Buffalo Bills did with Stephon Diggs last year? What move do you make? And the answer, my friends, is Tyler Lockett. Because you look at Tyler Lockett, you look at the Seattle Seahawks, their cap situation, They're projected to have about $4 million in cap space as things currently stand according to OverTheCap.com. If K.J. Wright, who's an expiring contract, Shaq Griffin, uh, the corner, expiring contract, running back Chris Carson, another expiring contract. He's not expected to be back. But Seattle's going to have to find money to re-sign guys. And they don't have a lot of draft capital to work with because they traded two first-round picks for safety Jamal Adams. So they have a little bit of an asset allocation issue on their hands. Tyler Lockett, for Seattle, is due $13.75 million against their cap space this year, and Seattle can save over $11 million of it by trading Tyler Lockett. If I'm the Dolphins, I look at the kind of receiver I know that I need. I need early separators. I mean, guys can win on all levels of the field. I would ideally love to have a guy with some special teams ability to help replace Jakeem Grant. Tyler Lockett's that dude. He'll be 28 years old this season. He's entering into a contract year in which, you know, Seattle 
will then have to ask themselves, is he going to be back this year, but not back long-term? If he, we're not anticipating we're going to keep him long-term because of price, do we move him now and get an opportunity to get somebody to replace him and clear up cap space to sign some other players? This is a trade, from my perspective, that if Seattle is receptive and willing to trading Tyler Lockett, and we don't know that for certain, the only report, quote-unquote report, I've seen about it came from... Uh, a Twitter account, NFL Draft Bites. Very little reliable information comes out of that account. Okay? So there's nothing stating specifically that Seattle is shopping or actively shopping Tyler Lockett. But if he's available, if I'm Miami, I do call Seattle and I ask about the availability of Tyler Lockett. And I would be willing to send them a top 50 pick to bring Tyler Lockett over in a contract year, knowing I'm going to sign this player to a three- or four-year extension and keep him with the team for a significant amount of time because he's the kind of receiver that you are looking for. He's the kind of receiver who wins early. He's the kind of receiver who is established at the NFL level. He has over 3,000 receiving yards in his last three seasons and 28 receiving touchdowns. He has 1,000-yard receiving seasons in each of his last two years. He has special teams ability because he's done punt and kick returns throughout the course of his career. Did you know about Tyler Lockett? He led the league in return yards on kick returns in 2017. He did not handle punt return duties in 2020, but he was their primary punt returner for his first four seasons with the team in Seattle, from 2015 to 2018. He gives you all the things you need. And he comes in and his base salary is going to be over $11 million. But if you sign him to an extension, what you can do is take that base salary and convert it into ideally a signing bonus. It's that life hack that so many of us are looking to uh, manipulate with the Dolphins' established veterans on the team. But the difference between doing it with converting base salary to signing bonus for guys like Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noyes, you've already made long-term commitments to those players. If you were trading for Tyler Lockett in a contract year, there is no long-term commitment. You have to create the long-term commitment. So that's where I'm more receptive to taking Tyler Lockett 2021 base salary in a hypothetical ta- or trade and then extension and give him a longer-term deal so that he will be under contract for the next four seasons in Miami. So I don't know how receptive Seattle is to making the move, but I think about what Buffalo did last offseason to acquire Stephon Diggs and how that helped change the elements of their passing game. I personally believe Tyler Lockett can be, based on the needs that we know Tua Tungvaloa has as a passer, for his pass catchers to play at a higher level, Tyler Lockett can separate. He can win. He can step into the Jakeem Grant and play vertical, and he could step into the Jakeem Grant role and play in the return game. It's a no-brainer, as far as I'm concerned, to call Seattle, because I remember this being a question that I was asked on Power to the Pod sometime last month in January, was Kyle, who is the veteran wide receiver that might be available for trade who can really help the Dolphins in their passing game. I think, upon further review, the answer here is Tyler Lockett. 
RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for your classic or daily driver and looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillight, motor oil, you name it, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So the last big question here in a Tyler Lockett trade scenario for the Dolphins, because that's all this is at this point. There's no reports. There's nothing imminent. We don't know that the Dolphins are even interested, but I think they should be interested. What would you pay from an asset exchange to get this deal done? It's probably going to cost you fringe first round value. So how do you get there? The easiest way to say it is we're going to take 36 and send it. Would I like to ideally not send 36 and send 50 instead and still find a way to get it done? Yes, absolutely. But Seattle's going to say, well, you know, his value is a first-round pick. They're trying to replace first-round picks. I don't blame them because they don't have any for the next two years. But I don't think you can send 18. It's off the table entirely. 36 even still is rich. So I'm curious, would you do 50 and a player? Does 50 and a player move the needle for Seattle? If it does, great. If not, and 36 has to be the price you pay, I think I would still pay it. Because Lockett, what receiver is going to be on the board at 36 overall, and there's going to be good ones available, that's going to move the needle. I mean, Lockett's more established than any receiver you'll get at 18. He doesn't have the physical ceiling of the guys that, the guys that you could get at three. But I think you look at, like, Devontae Smith, and you hope he becomes a player like a Tyler Lockett. Well, you could take Devontae Smith at three, or you can get Tyler Lockett, just understanding he's a little bit older, but, ergo, more established and more proven at the NFL level at, for 36, potentially. That, for me, is where it gets exciting to start to kind of work through the hypotheticals and filter through, uh, okay, you know, if, what doors open for us if you get Tyler Lockett at thir- for 36? I don't know how, hardball, how much a hardball Seattle is going to play, but Seattle really just needs to manufacture some space so that they can keep as much of their team intact as possible. And let them worry about what wide receiver they want to take at 36 to replace Tyler Lockett and get a cheap, younger version of a player for their offense. So this is a little bit of a galaxy brain take by me. It's a hypothetical. I figured it was worthwhile exploring. Of course, had a couple of you guys reach out yesterday. Hey, are we going to hear about Tyler Lockett because of these rumors that were going around? Um, they're nothing more than rumors. Uh, I can believe at this point they're completely unfounded. Uh, 
but I would I would pursue significantly if I were the Dolphins. If I were Chris Greer, this is one that I would try to kick the tires on and see if I could make happen. Understanding the flexibility that it gives you, and that's, again, the name of the game for this Dolphins offseason. Flexibility. If you add a wide receiver who so clearly and obviously checks the boxes that Tua Tungvaloa requires, and you can do it for a proven player with consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, who wins in the ways that you need him to, and you can do it for not a first-round pick, that opens up the possibilities of, okay, now do you take Penny Sewell at three? And do you then take best player available at 18 and not force a wide receiver? If you can start to, to transition away from pigeonholing, we need blank in the first round. That's, I think, how you can avoid some of these scenarios like drafting an Austin Jackson at 18 overall. When there's no question that wasn't the best available value on the board, but the Dolphins kind of had to draft for a need because we, we heard reports that they wanted to go quarterback and offensive tackle with their first two picks. And maybe they would have got off the rails there if they ended up, like if C.D. Lamb were on the board at 18, maybe they would have taken him and, and C.D. went at 17 instead, so we'll never know. But I think the more you can do for plus economic returns to avoid pigeonholing yourself into, we have to do this and this in the first round, the better off you're going to be. Just draft good football players at that point. So this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to check a big box this offseason if there is any opportunity to get a deal done. So if I'm Chris, I finish listening to the show today, I hang up, and I dial up John Snyder, and I say, hey, John, what's the cost of Tyler Lockett? It'd be like, I'd like to, to help your cap situation out a little bit. And I see what they say. And if the return is a two, I'm doing the deal. Let me know if you would, too. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at grinding the tape. Uh, I'm also at locked on fins with a PH. That is going to do it for us today on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Always like going down the rabbit holes of could slash should we go after blank. This is one of the ones I was more excited about. I'm up pacing around the room here talking about. So hit subscribe on the podcast. We'll be back next week with another week filled with Dolphins content as we get closer and closer to the start of the league year and by extension, the start of free agency. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk with you guys on Monday.